Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to What a Load of Cobblers, Friday Night Lights, the Northampton Town Audio Show, the podcast equivalent of a Paul Stratford step over on the Cherry Orchard School Field. I'm Tom Reed, and in a week where Keith Curl was sacked, I'm joined by four guys ready to do a minute silence for his Panama hat. It's Andy Bodfish, Ian Brandt, Martin Maloney, and promoted to the first team, James Averill. How are you doing, guys? You okay? Hi, Tom. Ian's currently under the stairs in his house, so if he sounds a bit tinny, you know, just uh, go and give him a knock. I've put a... <laughs> It's in my shrine I'm, I'm making for Keith. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Let's not beat about in the bush. Let's talk about the sacking of Keith Cole. We were sort of waiting for in it for that, and I alluded to that in my piece on the Inquirer, that when it goes quiet on the Cobbler's Twitter page, it's always a dubious thing because they've been pushing this strange makeup giveaway, and it suddenly all went very quiet, and people were just waiting for it to happen, and then it did happen. Keith Cole was relieved of his duties, let's put it politely. Uh, let's go around the group a little bit. Andy, do you think that was the right decision? Yeah, I do. Um, massive shame, of course, because um, you got a manager there who's, I think the stat was one of only eight managers to, um, you know, get town promoted in that vast 125, almost 125 years of the club existing. So, you know, it'll always have um, a special place in the firmament. But more than anything, it was just... It's just the way they were playing. I mean, we just mentioned off air the um, the woeful um, goal scoring record. One goal in ten and a half hours now. Um, and I mean, I keep my eye on a few games the other night, but um, there must be a point when coaches, okay, you sort of the clubs in the doldrums and <clears throat> form isn't best, but you know you um, you take the train in and. You sort of, uh, you know, you try and pump the players up. There must be at some stage where it's, you know, I can only do so much and then the players know what to do in terms of, you know, you've got sort of four or five attackers there that, okay, yes, they need to be coached, of course, a certain way of playing. But after that, I can only do so much. But you're watching that team um, a lot over the last couple of months and you're thinking, do these players, do they know the basics of scoring goals and attacking football and what it takes to, you know, sort of be, be proactive? Um, and watching the, the team the other night, it's like, we're never going to score a goal again. Just ab- abject going forward. I felt that a lot this season. It's, and then, of course, there's that. there was that win over... Um, oh, it's the win against um, 
uh, Gillingham just after uh, Christmas. Yeah. Um, and then, OK, right, here we go again. And then it's back to square one next week. Yeah, I think the Lincoln game was actually particularly frustrating because for that first half, we looked pretty OK. Yeah, totally. Slight attempt at expansive football. It was a 4-3-3 and we kept the ball OK. You know, a bit of pass and move. It's all very basic stuff, you know. It's not it's stuff you'll be taught. Well, this is, but this is it. It's basic yeah. stuff. I mean, pass and move. OK, you know, win, a, win possession in the middle of the field. Get it out wide. If it, that's the way you're going to play, get it out wide to a wide play and just a decent, just work on the crossing then if that's what it's about. Yeah. And then at some and then at some stage, well, attacking-minded players know what to, they know to attack the ball when the ball comes in from a wide area, you know, on the edge of the six-yard box, whatever it is. And you can only do so much. But when even that's lacking, it's like the the instincts seem to have been sort of squeezed out of the team. That was the most worrying thing for me. It was like we're never going to score a goal again. It. I think that's a good point because goals aren't always scored by. You know, uh, you know, precision pass or whatever. Sometimes you need that intuition of a striker, and you need players to make their own decisions. And I felt that that was a problem with Keith Carroll's side. You could listen to his his barks from the side, and it was all very robotic for me. And it it goes back to that Marco uh, Marcelo Marcelo Bielsa quote, where he said that basically, if you give players too many instructions, when the instructions stop for whatever reason, they just can't think for themselves. And I think that might have been a slight problem that. Keith Kell's plans might work, but you have to follow them to the absolute T to get joy out of them. And football just not like that. Um, well, exa- exactly. To- and, ha- and having made the changes in the, you know, back to him in the transfer window and yeah. for then a performance like that to be produced on Tuesday. I mean, I think it's pretty unanimous going around the group, but I didn't see an awful lot of people saying, no, he needs more time. You know, no, I think you're right. And let's face it, Martin, let's go to you. The, Stats don't lie, you know. Not, not everyone's interested in the possession of stats and stuff, stuff like that. That's for you know nerds like myself. But goal tallies, passing accuracy, stuff like that. We're at the bottom of the table for both of those. Martin, surely you have to go after that, that lack, lack of goals. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think it was um, an inevitable decision. I think um, I'd say yeah. For any criticisms we got of the club as a whole, they broadly, I think since Kelvin Thomas has been there, they've given managers enough time, haven't tended to stick with them too much longer than they've deserved and haven't tended to pull the trigger too early. And I think they gave Curl the the transfer window, which I think was deserved, you know, after how we finished last season, get promoted. There's, you know, you're probably thinking, you know, in another, in another dimension, another world, alternative future, whatever you want to call it, Sheehan and Miller don't get injured and were perhaps in a very different place. But, you know, a couple of players that had really helped look like they were part of the solution aren't playing. And we were just back to being, you know, the a really, really poor side that we'd we'd looked all season, really. I mean, there was those couple of false dawns and, um, you know, when the... Accrington game, you know, first half especially, the Lincoln game, first half especially, we thought, okay, you know, it's it's starting to come together. But you know, that they give me the optimism that, you know, that the players are there. But ultimately, as a manager, it's your job to get the most out of people. And while we we'd all probably say the squad, you know, the recruitment hasn't really improved the squad and what it is certainly gone nowhere to replacing the players that have left. The players probably aren't as bad as they were looking. And 
a different voice, different leadership is probably what what's needed because doing the same thing again and again at some point becomes the wrong the wrong thing to do. Um, you know, I think we'll we'll probably talk about Curl's legacy and that. And I think it'd been some great memories. I think he's been antidote to the sort of couple of years after um, Chris Wilder went. At least we've gone and done something. That thing we were doing has stopped working. We've moved we've moved on now, and hopefully, you know, it's giving someone, you know, be it Brady, um, Rico, and Sampson, or whoever, you know, if someone else is in the wings. It's giving them enough time to do something. So, yeah, right, right decision. Um, best luck, to Keith Curl, Colin West. You know, they, you know, some people. If we think back to Gary Johnson. Some people are really unpleasant and not very nice people. Never got an impression with with Curl. Honest guy, trying his best. It stopped yep. working, and it stopped working for such a long time that those decisions had to be made, and the club, I think, have acted um, exactly how they should. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. And I've been one of Keith Carr's biggest critics. At, but at the same time, you have to look at the landscape he was dealing with. The budget was cut. That was pretty open from the, the football club. A lot of the specialist players that he used in the successful first season, you know, the promotion season, they left. And he was just sort of left with a, a, a lower budget and maybe the players that weren't right for that sort of game plan. Maybe for a guy that said that, he wants to manage in the Premier League. He should have been a bit more tactically variable to try and shift it up and change it up a little bit. And obviously it didn't work, but um, he did have, you know, it wasn't the easiest job for him compared to the uh, promotion season. Um, let's go to you, Ian. You're obviously a massive fan of Keith Carroll. You're building a shrine to him underneath your stairs as we speak. I hope you're coping okay. But um, do you think that was the right decision overall? You said about the landscape. Um, Tom, the landscape was shocking because he let him train on the pitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, uh, I was listening to the Cobblers show earlier, and I think you know, there's some people made a point. First million pound player, promotion in very difficult circumstances. The money that they made in the cup run last year as well, you know, and all the stuff he did in lockdown, ringing up um, elderly fans and asking them what they'd had for dinner, etc. Um, and he's he well, you know he's a great guy and everything. Um, I think what's gone wrong. I think the truth won't come out. Did you, anyone see Chris Lyons tweet? Yes, I think it was yesterday. Uh, he, he just said wow and wow. Uh, I think he's probably referring to Tisdale and Curl. Obviously, you know he didn't want to elaborate, but I think we probably won't know exactly what's gone wrong. Um, until like you know some of these players from this team in a couple of years start doing podcast interviews like you've done Tom and other people and and you know autobiographies or whatever and it will be interesting to know it's always interesting isn't it to hear about what went wrong at clubs in the dying days of a regime and you hear the you hear the stories don't you I remember um, Chris Hargreaves autobiography when he's talking about um, Wilkinson and and, and and stamping the car park and all that so yeah, we'll be interesting to know, but you know, it's like, it's not, it's it's, it's a shame, but um, yeah, I, I think I think the, the 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 problems they've had, like, not everyone's sort of made the same point that, um, and it was unanimous, wasn't it? Like the response from the fans after that game for 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 Hennigan and the Cron to come out and just say, what did you say? What that was diabolical or that was awful or something, you know? <laughs> and every single fan, even like the ones who sit on the fence, are pretty much saying, yeah, that that's shocking. That's got to be it. Um, yeah. 
you know, they're not bad players. The people he's brought in aren't bad players. There's, it's just something's gone wrong, hasn't it, behind the scenes? And it's just not whatever they're doing, were doing in training is not working. And as sad as I am to see him go, it's like when you wake up this morning, you saw the pictures of him on the Twitter, on the club's Twitter, with him training at Moulton College as well, I think. <laughs> um, it's like a new day, isn't it? And everything's lifted again, and you've kind of got that little bit of optimism. And, and by the way, I don't know if you're going to come on and speak about Brady, etc. The impression yep. I get is being given till the end of the season. So everyone can talk about Sol Campbell and speculate who's going to get the job. The, what I've heard from Thomas, it looks pretty obvious that he's giving them until the end of the season to see how they'll get on. Yeah, we've got to look at the, um, the club finances as well. And uh, the cynic in me, you know, obviously they those three are already on the payroll. So, um, you know, it's probably pretty much cost neutral if they they stay for a little bit but um James you've been quite frustrated this season about we'll talk about the style of play and stuff like that in a minute but um like I said to Martin if you're not scoring you know it's sort of untenable isn't it James yeah I think you, you get that you know as Cobblers fans we'll have all experienced these times where you just get that feeling after a game where you think that's that and it was the same feeling I had with, you know, Boothroyd when he was, you know, looking on the pitch after that Wickham debacle and just turned and walked back into the tunnel. It, it had that whole vibe, I thought, the whole performance of, of that game. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I think after every game, you, you're obviously got, you know, some usual suspects on, on Twitter going curl out, etc. I think it's when you see, you know, as has already been alluded to, the people who... Uh, normally kind of saying okay you, you know fair enough you can have that view but I think he you know he deserves a bit more time etc I think it seemed pretty unanimous I think after after that game because uh, it, it was quite strange how quickly it came about because we did look like we we're improving um you know with that with that Lincoln game we played okay at Fleetwood we then didn't play well at Blackpool from from the sounds of it but even the Accrington game you know it, it looked like we were starting to turn a bit of a corner but it just it just didn't matter how we played we just didn't score goals and until you you know that is just such a massive flaw that that you you do have to just completely rip things up and start again you know with with the scoring record that we had and the home record in particular you're just not going to stay up with a home record like we've got um in, in terms of where it went wrong you know I've said a few weeks back that you know when when he was under pressure then he had that vibe of you know, of uh, of Atkins, of, of Boothroyd, in in terms of they kind of played that similar style of football, but they couldn't change it up when it got found out. And I think the style had been found out. And whether that was down to, you know, Kelvin alluded to, you know, he felt like the handbrake w- was off sometimes, but he also alluded to players being out injured or circumstances, whether it was that or whether it was stubbornness in terms of not wanting to to change his style I mean we all talked about how much of an improvement that Lincoln game was so it was so disheartening to read after that oh we probably won't play that formation again why not why not you know he seems he seemed obsessed it's almost like he it's almost like he was permanently permanently playing mysterious curl in the background of his head you know (laughs) he just couldn't get past 352 could he and also also think James that he um just re- listening to his interviews and stuff like that, I reckon he really did quite enjoy getting to 
grips with trying to nullify teams in League One and the challenge of trying to beat so-called bigger teams in Northampton. And maybe that just creates a sort of um, a retroactive, you know, team performance and a, and a planning. I, we, I, he talked about the front foot a lot, but I never really felt that we went to attack teams very much. And that performance for Wigan was the straw that broke the camel's back, really, because although Wigan are in, you know, administration or they're going to trying to go through a takeover, they're in big problems. But they 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 took the game to us. They've got a couple of good young players there that really could carry the ball well. That finish um, from Lang, I thought, was a tremendous goal. Even you know, it was, it was labelled as a mistake by Bulger. But they just came with the right attitude, and I, th- I thought. And like Cobblers, it was the opposite. There was a moment where we were doing long throws from our own half, which I just thought was bizarre. And sort of one of those strange throws resulted in that goal, actually. And it was almost as if all the problems that we've had this season were distilled into that one performance at the worst time. And when that happens, I was sort of, you know, it's quite sad that Keith Carroll's gone. I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but, you know, honestly, I was quite relieved when the news came through because I just wasn't enjoying games. And we need to enjoy football in this lockdown. It's probably one of the only outlets we've got. And I don't know about you guys, are you enjoying the football under Keith Carroll? I certainly wasn't. No, and, uh, you know, when you're kind of logging on iFollow and, you know, I, I turned off with about when once Wigan score because it's like, well, that's it. You know, it, it's, it's not yeah. going to happen. But, you know, th- there was just also weird calls. You know, I, I felt like sometimes he thought he was too cle- being too clever for his own good. I mean, dropping McWilliams for that game away at Blackpool, it's just a bizarre call. He's he's clearly the player in form, and he drops him and and comes up with some like oh, we, well, I want him to get up to speed in the second half. Well. What? That's just a weird call, and there was just a few too many, too many things like that. You know, I remember at the start of his uh, management with us, he was playing Billy Waters at right wing back. There were just some things that you just know aren't going to work, but he, yeah. he was just like giving them a go, and you just think, well, you're just wasting time. And there was just a few too many things like that um, where I think he tried to be a bit, you know, avant garde almost, and you know, try something weird and wonderful, and and if it paid off, it'd make him look brilliant. And they just never quite did pay off. But I think the main thing really is last year we had an identity. It was, it, it wasn't great football, but it was effective and it got the job done this year, similar kind of football, but it wasn't getting the job done. And it's as simple as that really. And that's the difference. Yeah, very true. And for me, I've talked about it a lot this season. I, I watch the other teams that come here and most of the teams have a basic comfort on the ball. And for us, with this rush style of play, where basically a player would have the ball and you could hear Keith Carl barking it to get it forward or stick to the game plan, just didn't feel like our players were that comfortable on the ball. And especially the back three in that defeat against Blackpool, they were just they just seemed to be lacking confidence. And look, it all it all spiralled down to where we are now. I think everyone's in agreement that it was the right decision, and uh, everyone wishes Keith Carl well. There's no sort of uh, Bad feelings on, on our half there, behalf there. But let's quickly have a little chat about potential replacements. I'll go on in a second to explain why I'm not sure we should be going for someone off the circuit. But, you know, there are odds being offered and there are names, as usual, being thrown about. Um, so on NQ and TFC, we put them into, like, different tiers. So it's pretty self-explanatory. We've got the coup tier, which is people like Paul Cook, Danny Cowley, and I put Eddie Newton in there because he's freshly available. These are managers that are, you know, probably unrealistic to come to us, but it'd be very good if we could get them. And if they could come to us, you'd probably think, well, you bite the hands off. Then you've got people like Phil Parkinson, Joey Barton, Sol Campbell, who's 
quite unpopular because of that racism allegation um, that was considered to be unfounded by a lot of fans. Um, Paul Tisdale, who's just been sacked. Then I've just put a few other names in there. Neil, Neil Harris from, used to be at Millwall and Cardiff. Um, Paul Clement came through the ranks at Chelsea. Stephen Robertson, a Scottish guy that a couple of you might have heard of. And then there's the, you know, the usual suspects, people like uh, Ian Holloway, Nigel Atkins, who some people rate more than me, but I'm not sure about that one. Phil Brown, Gary Caldwell and Stephen Presley. Now, one person I will add that I forgot to mention was um, Kevin Wilkin, Wallach favourite from the good old days of the county ground, uh, doing very well at Brackley and he's been knocking on the door for so long. So every time this happens, um, people mention Kevin Wilkin and eventually I reckon he has to be become a serious contender just by doing very well. And we tried managers from higher up, why not try one from lower down? Um, Ian, what about you, mate? You got any ideas? I think um, it would be good to get somebody who really wants the job rather than someone who just needs a job. Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, like the way that Wild, we always go on about Wilder, don't we? It's like we'll be going on about Wilder in like 50 years' time. But he, he you know, he left Oxford, who were higher and higher up than us, to come here because he kind of saw what was laid out for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't out of work, you know. It, it, it would be good to get someone in who kind of thinks, yeah, they potentially I want to do something rather than I just need to pay my mortgage, which a lot of managers are going to be thinking these days. So I think yeah. Wilkin might would would fit into that because he'd be like a bit of an ambitious person. But, you know, you could say the same about Brady. We don't... <laughs> you kind of like people... It sounds a bit parochial and like League of, Gen, League of Gentlemen, but it's like, don't I don't like these outsiders coming in. You know what I mean? It's a bit like when um, Johnson replaced Samo and came in and upset everyone and ruined everything. I'd rather that I kept Samo on, however bad things were getting. And it's like these three now, I really, really want them to succeed. And I, re- I really want Brady to be in a position where it's like, well, you know, I didn't, I, I did have my reservations about this job, but I've done so well now. I, I kind of, I want to keep it. So, you know, I'd really just like to see those three just make a go of it and, and see how well they do and just play some different football, just see what you can get out of these players. Cause they're not bad players, most of them. Um, so, you know, that, I can't really see past that. I mean, you know, if, I, just, I just can't see things. Like, I think, like I said about it before, I think whatever has gone wrong there, I think it's a personality issue. It's something's just not clicked, has it? Like, Kel's, they're all, they're all, they're all Kel's signings. He's had them for long enough, for whatever reason, budgets or whatever. Something's just not, not clicked and it's just not whatever he had planned hasn't transferred on into the results so i would just really really like to see what these three can can get out of them can get out of these players and i I just can't see past that at the moment yeah i don't think it's um feeling for someone locally is particularly outlandish because um Northampton is a bit of a footballing backwater. I know we probably think we're the centre of the universe, but you know, not that many people really want to come and live in Northampton. Um, and it's hard to attract people that really want to take Northampton on as a project. You might people like Wilder saw an opportunity to further their career. They saw they probably had some players in the back of their mind that they could progress on and then kick on to better things. So I think um, going for you know about getting to League gentlemen, you know, a local set of people is, is not a bad idea and Kevin Wilkin does fall into that that um, bracket obviously um, 
John Brady does as well. Listening to John Brady in his interviews, he's not filling me with confidence. He's massively after that first in job. That's the only thing I'll say about him. You know, he was quite non-committal about wanting the job and looking at it quite fairly, really, because if he takes a manager's job, the manager's job is, you know, quite a, a perilous position. And I know Kelvin Thomas has said it won't affect his youth team job, but going for the manager's job full time and then, you know, potentially getting sacked, does that sour your... Uh, place in the club so it's probably quite sensible that you might just want to be a youth team coach which um, doesn't leave us very much maybe Rico might want to take it um, James a few names mentioned there who do you reckon I don't fancy any of them to be honest yeah okay Cook I think Cook would be a a good shout I think I, I think we would do very well to get him to be honest if I if I had the, the choice I'd quite like uh, someone who I think would jump at the opportunity to come here, mm-hmm. um, and as kind of Ian alluded to, doesn't just see it as another job in in the football league. For that reason, I'd, I'd possibly lean towards either an up and coming non league manager, or possibly a youth coach from higher up who wants to move into management. Um, mm-hmm. But like I said, there's no science to it. But f- for me, just good football is a must. You know, I've had yeah. five years of craning my neck. Um, I'd, I'd quite like to see the ball played on the ground, and wh- whoever it is, you know, if they if they play a decent style, I'd like to give them a bit of time, even if things aren't going so well. You know, um, you know, we had Dean Austin, who it, it was one of those. The football we played was quite good, but we just weren't winning games. But we're creating mm-hmm. a ton of chances. But you look back, and no one really argued with with the decision to sack him, and you kind of look back and think. Well, you know, uh, never really kind of gave him that that chance to get past his bad spell, you know, and and even good managers for us have have had bad spells. Chris Wilder, you know, looked on the ropes at one point in that spell just before, was it the January 2015 um, transfer window? It's kind of like, that's what I was kind of hoping would happen with Curl, where they gave kind of Wilder that opportunity to bring, you know, get a second chance with the recruitment and he smashed it, bringing in, you know, um, Jason Taylor, Ricky Holmes, Brendan Maloney. And you were kind of hoping that's what would happen with Curl, you know, a second opportunity to get the recruitment right. And yeah. it, it, for, for whatever reason, we've not seen a lot of these players yet, but the results have, haven't haven't turned. So it's, it's difficult, yeah. I'd, I'd quite like someone who, who sees this as a good opportunity to launch their career and yeah. kind of sees this as, as a good medium-term job, not someone who's just here... Um, because it's a job in the football league, so I'd I'd be inclined not to go for kind of some of the similar names that we we keep seeing linked with jobs. I'd quite like to go for someone out of the box and see what happens, but that's no guarantee that it'll work. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's true. Looking at some of those names, um, you know, I'll sort of explain in a second why I don't think if we could get someone from the the top tier I talked about, Danny Cowley, for instance. I've looked into him quite extensively and he's not he, the style of play is probably not my cup of tea. I'm sort of yearning for a bit of slick football now, but he's such a name in the game that if he, he became interested, you know, he would turn a, a few heads at the football club. Same with Paul Cook. No, same with Eddie Newton, I think. But, you know, realistically, are we going to get any of them? If we can't get any of them and we're going to this sort of second or third tier, I'm thinking, is it the time just to start promoting from within? So someone like John Brady, I think what the club is, suffered from for years is a lack of continuity so we went we had wilder and we said there was going to be some continuity and then rob page came in and he ripped it all up 
and then Rob Page went, and then you know, I could list all the managers, and then it eventually ended up with Curl, who's a complete opposite, polar opposite from where we started with um, uh, Chris Wilder. So, you know, for me, it's a case now of I really think uh, looking at the structure of the football club is going to be will pay off in the, in the long term rather than looking, you know, paying big money for a, a Paul Cook or someone. Um, I've talked a lot about the, the need for a technical director, which various clubs are bringing in now. And what that role does is it, it ensures continuity, continuity. So it means that if you have a, you know, a sacking of a manager, you employ someone who plays to the, you know, the style that um, you want to set out. So, you know, I really think that John Brady would be a good fit for that because if he doesn't want to be a manager, because for obvious reasons, he might be, you know, the good fit to hold that role of just, just it used to be called a director of football. It's moved on a lot from them, but just in liaise and, coordinate things from the top and then you could bring him underneath someone like a Kevin Wilkins someone like some of the names we've mentioned just to bring that structure into the football club which I think we've been lacking and um, if you've got Mark Richards working his way up from below probably not there at the moment to the manager but if he does I think that structure will stand us in good stead and something that we've been missing for quite a long time. Um, the, the other thing hanging over all this um, Tom as well I mean yeah. in this in this uncertain strange world we live in yeah. um the more things change the more they stay the same really because mm. i mean i remember when this when this podcast started up and we we're basking in the glow of wembley and mm. you know that second leg playoff um and then the final and it was right this is the time you know because everything that has happened in the cobbler's history has pointed towards getting a good promotion a team gets dismantled things go wrong rather quickly and you have sort of, you know, maximum two or three seasons stay in the division above. It's like, no, this time, this time. And then sure enough, six months later, where are we? <laughs> just just press repeat, you know. Slowly the team gets dismantled. I mean, the, um, the team the other night had, what was it, one starter from Wembley? And, you know, we're yeah. talking six, six, seven months later, aren't we? Now the manager's gone. And it's kind of, we've got the memories, but it happened so quickly that in those six or seven months, all those, all those beautiful ties have just been slowly loosened and tethered. And we're just waving away those memories again. And it just happens. It seems to happen so quickly. And here we are again, just, you know, fighting for survival now to stay in the division above just months after the glory of here. we. This is it. This is the time. And then all, all the all the while last summer, there's a little, I can't have been the only one with a little voice sort of just in the back of your brain. Probably won't be, actually. We'll probably be shit this season, to be honest. And sure enough, here we are. <laughs> but it is Groundhog Day, and it, it is right to not just look at the managers and blame the manager. So Keith Carroll takes a lot of stick, and every manager takes a lot of stick as they go. But you eventually, after, when it keeps happening, you need to be looking at the bigger picture. We need to be looking at wider themes. And for me, it has done, and this is not a fault of the current board because it goes back decades, I would say, that we're just lacking that real investment into the football club in various ways, in, in you know, financially, um, in terms of probably layers of expertise at the football club in terms of senior management and stuff. And that's completely understandable because the budgets are so tight at the club, it's very hard to do. But um, I remember back in the, you know, the 80s, you know, slightly before my time, but I've read the accounts that, you know, for instance, Derek Banks, he did, did have that crazy scheme for the Dwight Eastlake uh, Stadium at um, Brackmills, but he wasn't really one for ex expanding or sorting out the county ground. He just said, let's put money into the team. So it was all very short term. And I think this is the crux of the problem is that 
cobblers is really crying out for and has been crying out for real investment not investment to do with land deals or land money you might get <laughs> back from a land deal it's it's that real investment and that real uh you know expertise to take us to the next level and keep us there and you know we've seen it with clubs like um, Burton Albion they did pretty well they moved up and um, you know various clubs have moved up and you know, Lincoln are doing it now they've got that investment and that, I think yeah. that's what it it boils down to and that's no slight on like I said to the, the current board they they put money in and stuff but it's a it's a tricky tricky game football but I just don't uh, you know unless that investment and expertise comes in I do worry that we'll be talking about this for <laughs> six months time or years time or whatever but um you know everyone wishes John Brady well Right then, let's get on to Saturday's game against Burton Albion, which is a massive six-pointer if ever I saw one. I'm pleased to be joined by Burton Albion writer for the Burton Mail, Colston Crawford. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. It's um, sort of an interesting time for me to be talking to you because we dispensed with our manager, Charles, you know, previously. So it, it adds a bit of an extra dimension. I don't think you probably were expecting that, you know? <laughs> no, it's... it's find it odd that, that, that to get rid of a manager immediately after the transfer window uh that's yeah that, that, that one i find surprising if if there was a problem and he had to go then before the window is, is surely is the time to do it but yeah that that makes a lot of sense it was just um i think the board did have faith in him and you could look at it at the other side of things is that the board showed faith in him and really did try and just give him that time to see what he could do but the results are so abject and we're just not scoring goals yeah. we haven't scored you know for, for so long really and obviously football is a goal scoring game so that's always going to press and there was um quite a lot of consternation from the fans so pressure mounted and you know what it's like when the pressure gets to that boiling point managers don't often survive but I guess you know that sort of takes us on to to Burton Albion and your form since um, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank came in he's no Stranger to Northampton, but he just seems to have had, you know, a bit of a good effect since he's come in. Yeah, it's it, it's an interesting one because uh, Northampton fans and Burton fans have a totally different view of Jimmy. Um, sure. An unsuccessful spell at, at Northampton, but uh, absolutely revered in Burton. Um, yeah. The only thing they could they could take issue with him about was the fact that he left after 13 months the first time. And... Uh, took the QPR job, which is a poison chalice, and I think he probably realises that now. Um, yeah. A basket case of a club, uh, and still are. But um, it, well, while he was here, he, he inherited a promotion-ready side in League Two. Um, they, but they'd gone to the playoffs two seasons running. It was third time lucky. Gary Rowett had them up, up and around the, the uh, playoff area in League Two when Jimmy came in. And I'm not belittling Jimmy's achievement at all, but he, at that time he took on a, he took on a good squad and he tweaked it, and two or three good additions, and we romped away with the League Two title, and we loved Jimmy to bits, and he had us top of League One the next season. Now that really wasn't expected because Burton Albion have always been all about consolidating uh, mm. for, before before the next step of progress. So to fly through League One. Uh, and Jimmy had his top when he went to QPR, and and we thought he was brilliant. And obviously, it was very different at Northampton. But uh, yeah. different, different it's important to counter, I guess. Sure, it's important to counterpoint Jimmy's time at Northampton with the fact that he was brought in under this um, Five U Sports Chinese investment. Yeah, uh, and he was brought in under completely different circumstances to the circumstances in which he left Northampton. 
So Northampton yeah. fans are quite sour about it because we just really go on form and we're like, I think part of it was because we really had such high hopes for him. And it, when, when it doesn't work out, things can, you know, there's a bit of resentment there. But looking at it, and in the clear light of day, he was brought in under Chinese investment. That Chinese investment didn't materialise. So, you know, he's, the, the, the club that he was sold is probably quite different to the one he left. And yeah. a lot of the players had to leave. So it was far from difficult. And I always said, there's no way Jimmy Floyd is as bad as manager as he showed at Northampton. And I think he will show that at Burton. And um, it probably takes us on to that win against Hull City, which is a fantastic result. They're a very good side at this level. Um, yeah. Were you expecting that? Probably not. <laughs> uh, to a certain extent, it was. Um, oh, really? OK. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll explain that. Can I just go back with with in terms of Jimmy again, he and the chairman never fell out at all. Uh, mm. The chairman has always been happy for his managers to to move on if they if they find something bigger and better. We know we know our place in the world, the size of our club. Um, so that the two of them continue to get on, and and I and I know that Ben Robinson, the chairman, had been down to London to watch Jimmy's daughter on stage and stuff like that. So they they were always friends, and yeah. when it we had to. Uh, to say sorry that's enough to Jake Buxton immediately the fans rather hoped that Jimmy might come back but we didn't think that it was you know we thought maybe we wanted him to come back but uh, it it was it didn't seem likely but the chairman pulled it off Um, so coming to the Hull game um, I saw when we lost to Hull in the earlier in the season when we had 12 players out with Covid and a man sent off after 18 minutes. We lost 2-0, but they looked really ordinary. And yeah. I, I'm surprised how well they've done. So I, I thought on that uh, going into that game that a galvanised Burton under Jimmy um, had a chance of upsetting Hull. Yeah. I think, I think maybe... Has Jimmy added a little bit of steel back into the side, maybe? Because you've got to be able to stop... Yeah. First thing, it's the first thing. The first, the word he used most in his first week was organisation. Yeah. Um, he was he was appointed and he watched the first game from the stand. Yeah. Um, which was the five-one defeat at home to Oxford United, which I thought when we lost three-one at home to Northampton that we, we couldn't go any lower uh, because that was an, an, a really abject performance. The Oxford sure. one managed to top it. So the idea that the that the the players might be might react to the fact that the new manager was sitting in the stand was, you know, we were absolutely dumped 5-1 by Oxford and it was appalling. And it was good for that, that that happened in a way because he got to see everything that he was inheriting and all of everything that he, you know, he, he saw the full size of the job sitting in the stand. Uh, and the, we talked to him after the game, it's all about organisation. Mm. Uh, and he said, I don't see bad players there, but I don't see them organised. So you've got the impression in the three games we've had so far that players and players have been told their roles, know their roles and know exactly what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And that helps, obviously, in a, in a relegation battle. You need that organisational spine through the side and you, you need to know that all the players are doing, you know, what, what they've been told to do. And just and that gives a bit of confidence just to try and be a bit more expansive because Keith Carl was fairly good at organising the side, but our problem was going forwards we seem to lose you know any impetus in the final third do you think Jimmy has the players or has that capability to add a, add creativity to that organization 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it, his signings, the majority of his signings are, are, are young young players with something to prove. Sure. Um, and the lad that came on from the bench and got the winner against Hull, Johnny Smith, who'd scored against us earlier in the season for Swindon, he was one of those guys who had loan after loan after loan from Bristol City, wasn't yeah. appearing in Bristol City's first team. Uh, the sort of guy that needs he needs a permanent contract somewhere where he's going to play, and sure. uh, and it, that those are the sort of people that Jimmy's that Jimmy looks for, and you know we hung an, an enormous amount of money, and I'm sure the line is, you know, come and play for us for a, for a year or two, uh, put yourself in the shop window, you know. Yeah, and I know uh, that um, your chairman definitely operates a pretty tight ship, and the club is very well run. So one sort of criticism of Jimmy might be that. He can be a little bit, um, how should we call it, checkbook happy in terms of signing players. So, but I'm sure your chairman it, it, will sort it of absolutely, absolutely won't have the chance to be checkbook happy here. Yeah. Uh, he'll he'll be given his budget. There isn't there isn't anything there that he can oh, that he can do to overshoot the budget. He he knows the score here, and uh, yeah. and and he and he, as I say, he and the chairman get on exceptionally well. He knows exactly how we're set up. Definitely. I think uh, Ben Robinson is one of the best chairmen in the EFL, uh, myself, probably along with Andy Holt at Accrington, a, a fantastic guy and uh, a real attribute to the club. Um, you've got a couple of ex-cobblers there. Might be a couple I've missed out, but definitely Joe Powell was at Northampton for a while on loan. Yeah. How's he doing? Good player? Yeah, we, we like Joe. Um, we thought he was going to be the, the shining star. And uh, he's he's had his, it's, this is his first full uh senior contract um yeah. you know and uh, we we i think it's easy to forget that it's it's, it's his first full season uh, mm. uh with a, with a permanent contract and he's dipped a little bit but we love him to bits and we want him to do well and all the time it was that from the from the previous manager and i suspect this manager will be the same it's you've got you've got a lovely left foot joe but you've got to work harder and yeah. uh he's when he does, and he's showing signs that he that he will, he's we we think he's going to be a top player. I think so. He, he was schooled at West Ham, I think. So that you know, they yeah. don't have many bad youth players. Um, very good left foot. Just probably take him a couple of years, maybe to acclimatise to League One or whatever division Burton will be in, because Premier League under twenty three football is such a different world. And Absolutely, so I can sort yeah. of understand it's going to take him a while, but he's got all the um, attributes, I think, to. Make him a very good player. What about um, John Joe Tour? I just get the feeling he might, yeah, he's getting on a bit for one. Two, he was shifted to centre back. Is he going to sort of drop out of the picking order now, would you think, John Joe? It's hard to say. He won't be playing on Saturday because he's injured, um, yeah. fairly sure. Um, but uh, he, because he, he, went, he went down injured in the, in the previous game, the one before Hull. Mm. Um, John Joe sort of divides opinion. He probably has all of his career. Um, I looked back at, uh, at uh, what Jimmy said about John Joe when he was at Northampton and he said some good things. You know, he, he quite liked the guy. He liked the guy's commitment. He liked his aggression. Uh, for us, uh, the red mist has come down once, twice, too often um, with sendings off. And then after one sending off, he got, he got the, the ban added to by a couple of games for what he said to the referee in the tunnel. Um, and he has also been involved this season in some of you know, at centre half in some of the worst defensive displays. Mm. Counterbalance that last season, 
uh, he was involved in he was he played in every clean sheet we had. So yeah. so uh, it's 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 a tough one. Uh, he, he can look he can look lackadaisical on the ball and he can and he can look calm and assured on the ball. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably, like you said, throughout his whole career, been a uh, sort of an observation with him. Yeah. I think he's he, he's a player that definitely wears his heart on his sleeve, but at the same time, he also can be a little bit lackadaisical. If you ever speak to him off the pitch, he's a very relaxed character. Yes, I'm not sure. He's not sure. He's not. Let's let's put it this way. He's not a Roy Keane type. So no, I think not, he no. can sort of drift drift in and out of games, but he has got that quality, and he's showing that throughout his career, and he, he can score goals. I never saw him as a centre back, but I think Nigel Clough saw that. Nigel in Clough him, saw so. him as a centre back, yeah. And I think, uh, yeah. and but one of the things Jimmy said when he came in was that he didn't, he he's, he he saw players playing out of position. He saw players who were not, who had been, you know, were playing centre back who were who used to be midfielders. An obvious yeah. reference to John Joe. Um, yeah. So Jimmy Jimmy's addressed that in terms of bringing players in to who fit the positions, yeah. but. That sort of leaves John Joe looking like a squad player because it, it's hard to see how he gets in in the midfield at the minute. If if Jimmy sees him as a natural midfielder, it's hard to see where he gets in at the moment. Sure, but again, probably quite a good squad player to have, and you know he will step up if, if he's if he's needed. Um, a big coup transfer coup for me. I saw his name and I was just sort of blinking. Is, is he going actually going to Burton? Michael Mancian, the ex Chelsea and. HSV Hamburg defender is being yeah. brought in. That shows some of Jim, Jimmy's um, contact, surely. I would have thought so. Yeah, um, it yeah. was. It certainly was wasn't one we were expecting. We, you're looking in the free agent market, and after the transfer window is closed, and we probably thought that he was looking for a striker. He probably still is, um, but but all along, as he's now told us, he he, he thought we needed one more centre half. Uh, as he put it, he likes to have four centre halves in the building, so he's yeah. got so he's so he's so they're both covered. Um, it's a short-term deal till the end of the season. The guy's just come back from the states, uh, didn't have a contract. Uh, he's only just 33. Jimmy says he's still very fit, <clears throat> so uh, it's it might be a rabbit out of the hat from him, and and the guy might play a big part. Definitely, and Mansien's got a very good pedigree, and it probably yeah. shows. Jimmy Floyd can, if he rings up, you know, an agent, he can open doors. Jimmy Floyd, just his name. And... He's a charismatic man and a persuasive man. Exactly. I, and... you know, I, I, interviewing him and, and being in Zoom calls with him as we are currently, yeah. um, I, I've just been really impressed. Uh, you know, I was, uh, I, I didn't think that, you know, it was the second coming with Jimmy coming back like some people did, but I always thought he was good. But I've been mm. very, very, very impressed talking to him. He's very persuasive. Yeah, that's interesting. And he's also a guy with a point to prove because when he started his managerial career, I don't think with all due respect to Northampton and Burton, these were the clubs he probably saw himself uh, long term. He probably wants to be a Premier League manager. So he's got a point to prove. And if he does it with Burton, you know, that'll be good for you because you'll be rising up the table. So it'd be a win-win. Um, in terms of his tactics, it's been a while since we've seen Jimmy at Sixfields um, as the Southampton manager. Um, we talked about it previously that as a Dutchman, you might expect him to be, you know, a total football 4-3-3 sort of guy. But it sort of turns out that he's a bit more pragmatic than that, isn't he? We always saw it that way. Uh, there were an awful lot of awful lot of one nils in, uh, in the promotion season and then the season that followed. Um, uh, where there weren't one nils, there were two ones. 
Uh, I think I did them up at one stage, you know, and it, nearly everything was either 1-0 or 2-1 in, in, in the wins column. Um, he is about organisation first and foremost. And, of course, he's looking at this situation and saying, right, we're bottom of the league. We're not going to go out and, 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 and be full of flair. The first yeah. thing you've got to do is get the results right, and we can talk about flair later. So he's, as he said at the, at the weekend, you know, we, we, we get these basics right, and then the passing will start to come. You know, you, you get the basics right first. It's obviously the right the right approach for a, for a team bottom of the table, if you if you're thinking about getting away. And uh, I, I keep mentioning the one nils, but he's been back for three games. They've all finished one nil. <laughs> we won <laughs> we won two and then lost the other. <laughs> so, <laughs> so do you so want a prediction? One nil <laughs> either way. <laughs> That's a good idea, actually, because I do. We do a prediction league, so I might steal that one nil. Actually, mm-hmm. that might be a good one for me. It's well, just it, a, a case we we'll, we'll move on to you know how the game might go on Saturday. It's going to be a massive six points hour. It goes without saying when you look at the league table. We um was. We were sort of at one point fairly secure, not secure is not the right word, we were fairly confident of avoiding the drop and we were just keeping our heads above the the line. Keith Cole was very good at pull, pulling a rabbit out of the hat at the right minute, getting a result, especially against the lower teams. But then with the defeat against Wigan, where they pretty much outplayed us um, and then we dropped down to the bottom two, we're lacking confidence. Keith Cole got fired. And John Brady has been put in as an assistant, who is a guy who knows the youth system inside out. He was the under-18 manager. He knows the club very well, but you might say inexperienced as a league manager. So it adds a, a whole new layer to this sort of um, this tussle on Saturday, doesn't it? It adds a layer of unpredictability to it, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, mm. I, I think, it, obviously, curl has been unlucky because so many players left when he got promoted. Yeah. Um, I mean, perhaps if I can throw a question back at you briefly, how did that happen? Why did that happen? Why did so many players leave? It's probably just budgetary restrictions, I would think. The chairman's yeah. made no secret that the budget has been cut. COVID, you know, it's probably good housekeeping. Keith Kerr was always on about the housekeeping. You sort of expected him to come out with a feather duster. He's to talk about it so much. But he was basically being a good company man um, in terms of, you know, accepting that the budget had been cut. Uh, we sold Charlie Good to um, Brentford for a, a very well club record fee, reportedly around a million. And yeah. some fans were like, this needs to be reinvested back into the team. Hmm. Kel's p- p- worst mistake, in my opinion, was the centre-back recruitment. You sold Charlie Good for a million, and then you, you would hope you would have someone lined up that would try and fill his shoes. And then um, people like uh, Fraser Horsfall, brought in from Macclesfield on a free, I think he was, They just and um, CM Bolger from... Lincoln they just yeah. haven't really really done it and the quality on the ball is my concern for Northampton so yeah. um, I mean, when, we just when, don't when, very comfortable on the ball when when you came and, and beat us in the FA Cup in the promotion season yeah. uh, 4-2 at, uh, at Burton and it was 4-1 till till stoppage time I think I thought it really looked a, a very good side that day of course you're on the way to promotion at that time Sure. And and that team, that the team we played that day would have stayed up in League One and probably been challenging the playoffs. It looked to me, but you know, yeah. obviously, obviously that team is not the one you then started the following season with. Exactly. Uh, I think when Keith Cole's way of playing works, it works very well, and you saw it's a good effect at um, Pirelli. But it needs specialist players to play it. And when you take away people like Bidane Oliver, when you take people like Alan McCormack out, Charlie Good. 
the specialist yeah. players aren't there and you're still trying to play the same way. It just didn't work. And yeah. also the fans were saying, look, it's League One. We need to be playing a little <coughs> bit more floor. He tried to expand it and it just it was just an uneasy fit and it resulted in unfortunately you know, sacking. But um in terms of a match prediction, let's move on to that. You've sort of maybe given it away a little bit. Do you reckon it will go one nil either way? Well, as I say, I, I think and I'm and I don't I tend not to do predictions because I tend yeah. because I, I I I just you just open yourself up with a prediction. But mm. uh, and as I say, that that uh, sacking of Curl really does throw a spanner in the in the works on that one. And we've still only seen three games of Jimmy, and we've seen one game with all but one of the signings in. We had nine signings before Mancien. Uh, they were all involved on uh, on uh, Saturday against Hull, apart from the the goalkeeper who stayed on the bench. Uh, so eight of the eight of the signings uh, either started or came off the bench in that game. So you might have thought that we were, you know, how the hell could they gel that quick? But they looked like they did. And he he talked about having squeezed a, a, a six week preseason into into one week's work. Mm. And you wouldn't, we could hardly, but scarcely believe how together they were against Hull, given that they were a, you know a bunch of strangers. Sure. So. If he's pulled off that trick, then you know the the the, the ability of the people he's brought in is extremely promising, um, and I and I I don't usually go out on a limb and say things like this, but I think we can win. Mm, that sounds reasonable. I'm just hoping that Northampton take the gloves off on Saturday. I think certain players have been playing within themselves at Northampton. They're probably more skillful than they've shown within the limitations of Keith Gale's tactics. Um, yeah. got a sort of Oh, it's not. A, I won't call it a dream team, but we've got three guys that are sort of Northampton Town through and through involved in the management in the caretaker period. So John Brady, Mark Richards, the ex-striker, who's probably played against Burton a few times, yeah, and mm. uh, Ian Sampson, the former manager. So they're a capable little trio there, and I should imagine they're going to be saying that let's play with a bit of bit of um a bit of creativity, and we've got to just try try and score. So that being said, and with Burton's compactness i'm gonna say a one all draw probably not a result either of us won because we want the three points but you know that's football but um listen it was really good interesting to talk to you um enjoy the game on saturday and we'll speak again soon thanks a lot all right thanks tom cheers cheers mate bye bye let's move on actually to um our regular feature which is the cobblers a to z slightly more upbeat i guess um we're on to the letter s and um you know, really getting through it now, and we will be at the end of it soon, and we'll have to find a new, uh, a new sort of topic to keep this podcast together. Uh, letter S, um, Ian, I believe you've got a good one. Yeah, uh, was it AD who tweeted this one in? Paul Stratford, you alluded yeah. to it earlier about him playing, him seeing him play at Cherry Orchard School. Um, yeah. Yeah, so Paul Stratford, fellow fellow Dustin lad now, uh, <laughs> so I've got to mention him. Um, great player, great striker, was destined for bigger and better things. Unfortunately, career ended by a knee injury. I think he was due to sign for Forest uh, just for that injury, which was yeah. which is yeah. sad. Um, personal link for me my dad was his PE teacher when when he was uh, oh. I think my da- I think it was my dad was I think it was when he was a uh, trainee teacher like his first proper teaching job out of 
you know, teacher training colleges it was then. Can't, I really can't remember the school, but it's kind of like the, well, it's probably not there anymore. It's like the junior school, um, like sort of Spencer area, I believe. And, and I'm up my mum's now, actually. I might have a look to see if I can tweet it out. My dad was a PE teacher for this team of young lads. And I think one was Paul Stratford. The other was um, was Wakely Gage. So, he, and yeah, and they were a, a decent team. So he did all right. Um, yeah, um, I remember, because obviously he, he lives locally and he's got sons similar age to me. So I'd be at like football tournaments and stuff and he'd always be, be talking to him and he'd say, oh, he used to, he used to play for the Cobblers before your time. Um, but um, I remember going round his son's house once, and um, he he put his dad wasn't in, but he put on a, a VHS that he'd recorded off Anglia. I think it was like a nineties like Anglia highlights thing when they were looking back at old games, and it was this. Yeah. It's probably on YouTube now, and it was this goal um, he he scored, and it, and I remember my dad. I'd seen that footage as well. I remember my dad saying that, that that was typical cobbler's goal for that era at the county ground, where believe it or not, it was a it was a long hoof <laughs> down the middle of the pitch, and then a dodgy bounce off the kind of uneven pitch, which would just do do visiting defenders every time, and then Stratty, as is known, if everyone knows him round here, would run onto it and and finish really well. <laughs> and um, I was I was asking, oh, I just what are you- told me it was a cruciate that he did that ended his that ended um paul's career but i had whatsapp earlier from my mate Stu, very good friends with um one of paul's sons and i'll share this little personal anecdote with you i'm sure they won't mind because he's a bit one of his sons is a bit of a character right i'll read this when me and tommy that's um paul's son when me and tommy were leathered sometimes we would run into his room at midnight that's paul and start shouting at him that it was his fault that the cobblers were shit <laughs> oh no! Oh, no. Uh, Quality. I, I don't think I don't think that's true though. I don't think that's true. There's a lot more into it than that. But Paul Stratford was a very very skillful player. I've seen um, videos of him. One of these guys that you know just cool, a cool sport. Sometimes got that injury. Um, Ad Richards. That was the original tweet. Um, Ad Richards, um, regular listener, tweeted us. Hampton guy. He tweeted us saying. Um, I have a memory of seeing Paul Stratford play as a kid at a game, I think, at Cherry Orchard School. It was a cup final between whatever school he played for and Stimson Avenue. He was head and shoulders above every player on the pitch. So that's pretty cool to see. Do you know, I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think that was my dad's team. I think I remember him saying that they won a trophy. I, I, do you know, I've got to dig it out. I've got to dig it out. I'm sure there's a photo of my dad in his kipper tie and all that. <laughs> Stood by these, <laughs> these, really, these really young lads. And, and I'm sure one of them's got a trophy. And um, yeah, I remember my dad saying to me, like, if I was like sort of sulking because the, the like my football coach had sort of shouted at me, he, my dad used to say, "Oh my God, you should have heard the call lads when I was, you know, when I was like playing in the schools cup final at, at Cherry Orchard School. I used to call them all sorts of stuff that you really wouldn't be allowed to say. But that's how the game was back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think." Um... With um, Paul Stratford, uh, the story from A.D. Richards, he said that the Paul Stratford was only nine or ten at the time, so he's obviously standing out even at that age as a pretty amazing. Yeah, he's yeah. someone like that. Um, so yeah, that was a really good one. And um, has anyone else got an S for us? Yeah, I always find it weird that when I get kind of like asked these, I somehow always manage to ignore really obvious choices like Martin Smith or Ian Sampson. 
And literally, I, I, I don't ask me how this, but the first person I thought of was Simon Sturridge. <laughs> He's played, scored one goal for us in the 99-2000 season. He's the third most recognised member of his own family. And, uh, yeah. He, double he, S, uh, it's a double S. Extra point for that. You get double yeah, points well, that. Yeah, order. I think that's, that's that, I think that was the motivation behind it. Clearly, it was just like trying to find a, a double S. But, um yeah, uh, I think uh, we should also give a, a, an honourable uh, mention to B&Q's finest Northamptonshire worker, Dave Savage. Um, he was a very good player, actually. Um, played for us uh, early kind of 2000s, didn't he? And um, it was felt like something could happen when, when, when he was on the ball. Um, he he so, did one caps, didn't he, for Republic of Ireland, I'm sure, Dave Savage. Yeah, five was caps. It? I'm just looking at his it, it? Yeah. right now, yeah. Pretty good. Does, do you do any of you remember the Dave Savage handball that wasn't given against Blackpool at home? It, we were defending the South Stand, and I used to be up at up at the that end of the uh, the West Stand, down the down the other end these days. But um, ball went over, and he just stuck his arm out, blocked it. That's just like it's the most obvious penalty ever. It's like you know. <laughs> No, they almost don't bother appealing because they expect the, the whistle's going to go. We're all just like, oh, what's he done that for? <laughs> and then, hang about, he's not blown. And then, of course, their players go apoplectic, their fans do. And we're all just looking at our shoes. It was just, you know, he wasn't a particularly <laughs> reckless sort of player. You know, we've got some people just do something because they weren't the brightest or they were still hung over. But he was just like, you know, a, a very competent, very good footballer. Mm. And it would have been the dumbest penalty ever to give away, and he's, he's got away with it. <laughs> Do you reckon he ponders that at B and Q, Martin? Do you reckon he ponders that moment? <laughs> I got away with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't. I don't recall it being a particularly important game towards the end of the season or anything. It's just a really weird thing. Yeah, he was. Um, he was a decent player, and you know, to get um, Republic of Ireland caps is not too shabby at all. Um, I'm just going to go to some of the readers' ones. We've got a couple of funny ones, actually. Um, so, A.D. Richards, who's 43 tweeted us in, said that um, this is a blast from the past. Billy Stewart, I think he was a goalie, wasn't he? Billy Stewart, who, <laughs> yes. when playing for Bamber Bridge, had an argument with my youngest son, and he, t- he tagged in his son, Mark, 251983. And then another guy, uh, Grumpy Greyhead, said, was that the Milky Bar Kid incident? And... Um, A.D. Richards said, yeah, but I can't remember the full details of said incident. And then um, Mark, the son, sort of interjected, said, he conceded, I believe. I said he'd been shit at Northampton too, to which he took offence, asking who'd said it. Everyone pointed to me. Can't remember what... <laughs> That's kind of a minute. Everyone pointed to me. Can't remember what he said. Something to do with the Milky Bar kid. He waited for me at half-time at the tunnel. Bloody hell. Do you know what I mean? Well, no, <laughs> not... Uh, Non-league could be like this. Um, I've got a couple of mates who um, go and watch Ket- go and watch Kettering. A couple of years ago, um, they'd gone to watch Kettering away somewhere, and there was some re- really mouth really mouthy um, lad of Kettering fan giving this, and no one particularly liked him, giving the goalkeeper a load of stick. He's in the bar afterwards. Keeper comes in with his mates. Keeper walks straight up to him, lays him out. Oh, my <laughs> oh man, it's a different game. So maybe Mark got off lightly that Billy Exactly uh, Billy Stewart just called him the Milky Bar kid. Yeah, but, I mean he was he was absolutely correct in his assessment. Because I remember 
there's a thing when I started watching the Cobblers, it was like Peter Gleeser was going to play forever. He's the first keeper I remembered, and you know, the three three years or so he was there, it was like, well, that was you know forever. And when I got you know brought another keeper in, what how, you know how can you do that? <laughs> then you know after I think a couple of good keepers, some crap keepers came along, and Stuart, I'd always like whenever he played for Chester against us because he was a bit ungainly, but he, he always seemed to have a good game against us. When we signed him, I thought, oh, this guy's going to be good, but oh, he weren't. Not very good, Martin. Not <laughs> very good at all. <laughs> very good. Uh, Martin's trademark phrase. No one else can use it. Uh, so, yeah, that was a funny one. And then um, Eddie Richard said that he actually did try to accost um, Paul Mark at the, uh, the half time. So, we need to find out what happens. If there's only 50 tests or anything. Probably knowing to be telling, he probably got, got what he was trying to do anyway. <laughs> but another one we had in, where is it? Just going to find it, is. Um, this is a name to conjure with, Kashif Siddiqui. Now, does anyone remember him? He oh, was, yes. Allegedly, yeah. a Pakistani, Pakistan international. <laughs> yeah, um, that was um, Sullivan. That was uh, Sully that uh, tweeted that in. Um, he came in, didn't he? And there was some strange sort of, it might have been a similar time to Alistair Slow, actually, a similar sort of player. There was some sort of like story about being a charity ambassador for the club, James, do you remember? Yeah. Yeah, I, I certainly know with slow. <laughs> I mean, who else? No other player has commanded like a 300-page long thread on the hotel end uh, than Alistair Slow. Uh, that yeah. was just an incredible moment of our history, wasn't it? He was on the bench when we beat Liverpool. I mean, yeah. the, guy, the guy has lived a, a life and a half, hasn't he? But yeah, Siddiqui never played for us. I don't think he even got on the bench or even, the, you know, didn't get close to the squad. But I think he was basically like a... A guy to raise the club's profile, uh, much in the same way Alistair Slow did. Mm. Raise our, our profile in Pakistan. I'm sure there's some people listening now in Pakistan. If you've listened, well, of course, in- with Alistair Slow, we gained a load of uh, fans from Cyprus, which is the league he was smashing up before he uh, and Ghana, I think, were the, the two leagues he played in, weren't they? Um, yeah. So yeah, I think clearly, clearly we uh, we're trying to expand our reach globally uh, by signing these players. Mm, I think there's a statue to Alistair Slow in Ghana. And they just don't understand why we take the piss out of him. <laughs> he was it's Ghana. Funny, funny actually thinking about those, those players, probably not in the same league because he actually did have, you know, a half-decent career. Baz Savage. Mm, yes. Only ever yeah. moonwalked at the county at, at Six Fields for other teams, sadly. He never scored, did he? I'm just no, looking France. at... Uh, Kashif Siddiqui's uh, wiki, and it's it's quite interesting. You know, me and Martin have this um, my Manic Miners quiz uh, with some outlandish team names. Now, I'm not saying that Kashif Siddiqui's made these teams up because they're obviously real, but there's some funky team names he played for. So, apparently, he was a youth career at Arsenal. Mm, okay. Uh, he went to American College football, and he played for the Eckhart Tritons, the Presbyterian Blue Hose, and the Fresno Pacific Sunbirds. Now, Martin is cringing at this moment because he's getting a bit scared. He's like, it's a baseball team. Uh, he also played for the Springfield Demise. With a Z. <laughs> That's a great name. I missed that episode of The Simpsons. Mr. Burns owns them. Springfield Demise. And then before he came to Cobblers, he played for the Fresno Fuego, which I think means fire in Spanish, uh, in called Telesat. Uh, Fresno Fuego and uh, the Ventura, this is the most ridiculous one, the Ventura County Fusion. 
No, I'm calling a fake team on that, Martin. Are you? Ventura accounting. Well, I'm so tempted. They're in blue. I'm tempted to click them as I look at the Wikipedia page myself. Do you know what shocks me more than any of those? What's that? The one below us. Oxford United, 2019-20. Yeah, he went Oxford straight after, didn't he? Well, I don't know. Yeah. It says it's Northampton 2013-14. Mm. Then a five-year gap. And Oxford United. I'm... It's I'm a bit like Alistair concerned. Slow. He was booted out by Gary Johnson, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. Gary Johnson, one of the only good things he did came in and went, what is this guy doing here? So we shipped him off to Yeovil. Yeah. <laughs> Fast forward 12 months and Gary Johnson comes back and he's booting him out of Yeovil as well. Sorry to break well, in, but I've just read well, that Alistair Slow officially retired from football in, in 2018, which well, I can't believe such a momentous day passed by without notice. <laughs> That's like my retirement from international cricket. (laughs) (laughs) James, can you imagine what his um, official uh, retirement consisted of? Telling his mum he's not playing anymore. What would it actually consist of? His official (laughs) retirement. Oh, I don't know. But I've I've heard they held a minute silent at Cantonments FC, which is which is his first club. (laughs) They did. They all crowded around the shrine. It would be like when Pele retired, all the big kind of pomp and ceremony that they had there. And... <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. With, with Siddiqui, I'm just looking and it, it just rings slight alarm bells that when you look at the appearances next to all these teams, the Jura County Fusion, Fresno Fuego, Al-Wazi, who actually is quite a big club in UAE or somewhere, zero appearances for any of them, including Real Kashmir. Sounds like uh, the Kashmir version of Real Madrid. But yeah, yeah, just a bit of a dubious one, that one, and completely a strange signing. Right, guys, we're, um, we've been talking for ages now. We better all uh, disappear. But let's, um, let's uh, see if we can find out where Alistair Slow's shrine is in Ghana. And we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll take a image there one day. But thanks for talking to me, and we'll speak again next week. Take it easy. Brilliant. Cheers, Tom. Cheers, mate. Cheers, guys. Thank you for the promotion. See, See you later. See you later. Keep, up, keep up the good work or you'll be back. Yeah, yeah, you got, you got the shirt now. You got the shirt now. <laughs> See you later, guys. Take it easy. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.